Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Benched with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Benched with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 48, coming live on a Sunday night for you as Toby is sweating out a save over here, our potential save. Um, it's trade deadline time. We have three more fab periods after the one that just took place. The season's, That means the season's over half over. So we're going to talk about some first-half guys that played really well or really bad, and if we buy into them in the second half, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and Toby at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? We're doing well, Bubba. Like you mentioned, sweating a save opportunity here for Mark Melanson. Initially, I was like, oh, my God, he's only got one run to work with. Now I'm like, oh, my God, don't lose the save uh, situation here, Braves. Be be better than that. Be good enough to give him an extra run, but don't be too good. Um, so I've got my Braves hat. As a result, I had my, my Phillies hat on before that. Uh, what I plan to do is wear the Braves hat until the save is complete and then move back over to the Phillies. Just in case anybody had any uh, idea that I am supportive of any particular team, no, I'm solely beholden to uh, to fantasy baseball. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds that's kind of how I am with uh, football for the most part. I still root for my Dolphins, but when it comes to Sunday, I'm a red zone guy. Just show me who's on my team. That's all I care about. I know the Dolphins yeah. are going to win the Super Bowl, so I just accept it. And uh, like this year for the for baseball, the Giants are actually playing well. Surprisingly, I still don't believe they're going to win everything, but they're playing well. But like even all, before all the trades are about to talk about for the Padres, I was rooting for the Padres. I've been tweeting Sammy about it and talking about it. But it's hard not to. I always like the Rays, and I kind of like the White Sox. Like give me some of those teams 
uh, as a postseason run. I'd be a big, big fan of that. But so baseball fun. I'm like 100% lined up with you on teams. I got a Padres hat. I wore it last time we had the pod, so I'm not wearing it today. I like to wear the hats same, you know, two days in a row. But I mean, just because they're an exciting team. I mean, they're yes, young, that's all they're I want. Exciting. They're fun young teams. Totally. They got um. They have Willie Willie Mai, who I'm a huge fan of. I have him on so many of my teams, and then Cronenworth too. I have him yeah. on. I think three of my four main events and, and a bunch of other ones. Um, and so, yeah, big fan there. And then the White Sox are brilliant too. I'm a fan of the Rays, although this year, I mean, the injuries have really just uh, hacked away, you know. And they keep winning. The, I know, they keep winning. I mean, <laughs> kudos to them for that, right? But do I really care about that? No. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, yeah. clearly True. not. True. Uh, just kidding, Yancey. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I'm right there with you on those teams. I think they're really excited. I think the Mariners, you know, mm-hmm. I was in, I lived in the Seattle area for about um, 10 years and followed the Mariners while I was there. And I think they're doing some really good things, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just think they have a really great core of hitters. Everybody seems to be improving. And then I think they've got some really smart smart folks on the pitching and there that, that can turn some guys into something. And now they've got so many pieces, too, that down the road when they need to trade for somebody, if nobody develops as, as that like top of that top of the rotation guy or second you know, uh, second starter, maybe they can either through free agency or otherwise acquire that type of a, um, of a player. So yeah, it's exciting times in baseball. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, um, just with the trade deadline. I mean, I've never seen the trade deadline like this before. Normally it's like, here's a mediocre relief pitcher that might go to a contender to be the setup man. And you're like, great. Now it's like, just it's not so well and i i honestly i was i was on another show on thursday and they asked me if i thought it'd be a busy trade deadline i really didn't think it would like i because there's so many teams in contention i didn't see this happening and i get it's the padres doing most of the damage but by the time people might listen to this on monday clevenger is supposed to be gone um starling Marte and archie bradley might be gone. there's a lot of big names that might be on the move here that i did not see coming so it's gonna be really fun to watch yeah Yeah. and from a fantasy baseball perspective you know i spent a bunch of my fab this week just because you know, I kind of know where my weaknesses and, and strengths are at this point. And so saw some guys that could help out. But with all the movement that's happening around the trade deadline, I mean, there's going to be so much movement in lineups over the next week. And it's going to be hard to know, like, kind of what what's going to stick and what's not. So that's going to be really interesting. I was just thinking of, like, the Mariners, you know, Ty France going there. Like, is he going to get every day at bats, like, you know, is, is Nola's leaving there. So what happens to him with the Padres and, you know, who takes over for that in that, in that catcher spot and, you know, Murphy or whoever else is there. I feel like he's been playing every day. So we'll see. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we're going to talk Padres trades because they've made four of them so far through Sunday at uh, 8, 11 PM Pacific time, because they might make more before the evening is over the way they're active. So we'll start with the, the first big one that dropped Mitch Moreland coming over from the Red Sox for Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario, who prospect people love both of these moves. Two young players, pretty good hit tools. I'm not getting into the prospects part of this. They're a ways away. That'll be for another time, another day. But the important part is Mitchie two bags, who's turned into kind of Mitchie four bags at times lately, heads to San Diego. And if you look at roster resource, he's he's set to DH while Hosmer stays at first base, which makes sense. A lot of National League teams didn't have a, a DH set in to play. So he can DH, especially versus right-handed pitching, the strong side of a platoon, which Darby was doing in Boston at first base. 
I think it's a great move for them. I think it's a, a great, great baseball move. How do you think it affects Moreland's uh, fantasy value? It doesn't stink that he could be in Colorado on Monday night, but after that, how for do you sure. Think? Yeah, well, I mean, Moreland's one of those guys where in daily he's got he, he's a ton of value just because he does mash uh, against righties. I'm saying that I haven't looked actually at his splits. I've actually found that that's he does. Yeah, I, I've actually found that that's happened to me a couple of times, like with Wilmer Flores and. And other guys were kind of like rumored to have the splits. And then you actually look into it and you're like, oh, like uh, Renato Nunez. I was looking at him too. And everybody's like, he mashes lefties. And then I like looked and I was like, I mean, he's slightly better against lefties, but not like necessarily, you know, destroying the world. So anyways, um, so Mitch Moreland, yeah, I think it's it's a fantastic move for them. You know, he'll play against righties. I think in daily leagues, it's a, it's a valuable move. I think in um, – in weekly in weekly moves, I've always found, or bi-weekly moves like NFBC, I've always found that players like him are really tough to roster just because you really only feel comfortable if they've got three out of four on Monday through Thursday, at least, or, you know, and, and three out of three on the weekend, kind of. Um, and so for that reason, I'm always like a little hesitant to add them just because I find that they end up riding the pine a lot more. Um, breaking update, the Braves are only up two heading into the bottom of the ninth, so Melanson will get his save opportunity. Let's hope he doesn't blow it. Please don't blow it, Mark Melanson. I know you have a K-minus walk rate of like 4%, but please, not right now. Um, so, yeah, so I, I feel – I think it's – I mean, from a baseball perspective, I think it's just a fantastic move by the Padres. That lineup just gets deeper, an already deep lineup. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. If you just look at the, the small sample of 2020 and 70 plate appearances versus right-handed pitching, he's hitting 322 with a 475 ISO and a 492 Woba. So that's uh pretty good. Is that good. That's not bad. But even last year, like if you want a little bigger sample, 275 at bats, he only hit 262, which is still not bad in this era of baseball with a 287 ISO and a 365 Woba. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so he's he's pretty good versus Ryan and pitch. It's a really strong move for the Padres who are going for it, and they made another trade because Emilio Pagan was closing. He kind of been a little shaky, but he's been closing. Pomeranz is coming back, but I think they want to kind of use him in the important roles of the game, not just the ninth inning. So they went and got Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals, who has been saving and doing very very well. It's like a, a rebirth for Trevor Rosenthal. And they uh, traded Edward Oliveras, a young uh, outfielder who saw a little bit of time with the with, in the bigs this year, but uh, never got a full run. Might get some more run there in Kansas City. So it looks like Rosenthal is going to slide into closers roles. But you know, Pomeranz will probably get some. I'm not going to say Fagan won't either. How do you feel if you're a Rosenthal owner, him going to San Diego? Yeah, I mean it's a bummer just because there's uncertainty about the role. Um, I still think Pomeranz is the best reliever in that pen. Uh, I think I think um, in a lot of ways, Rosenthal is pretty similar to Pagan, you know, a little bit of lack of consistency over the years. Um, you know, the problem with Rosenthal for me is, is, I mean, he's a very good reliever. Don't get me wrong. Twelve and a half percent walk rate is obviously a challenge, um, you know, and I think we saw that pop up a little bit more recently. It may just be my own recency bias, but it feels like the last few outings, there was out, outing against the Cardinals where he got pulled with the blazes loaded, where he walked a couple guys. Um, and so, you know, again, like a very nice addition to their bullpen, um, a guy who can get swing and miss, he can get out, but, um, you know, again, I think Pomerantz is the best guy there. And I think for fantasy owners, it's just kind of like, especially like, I, like I put some pretty hefty bids on Pagan last week, just trying to get saves. And, you know, I dropped him this week because 
you know, he's pitching in the sixth inning or fifth inning, whatever it was today, seventh inning, um, you know, and so that's just the way, that's just the way it works. And I think a lot of teams are doing that. They're going with the best, the best arm in the pen and it's the best baseball move, but from a fantasy perspective, it limits their value significantly. Yeah. They're loading up their pens. So a couple of takeaways I also have from that is, you know, Pagan might come earlier, like you mentioned, um, Patino, who we were all hyped on or many were hyped on. He's just kind of been a middle reliever, long reliever type guy. So I don't know if they're ready to unleash him. Uh, we haven't seen Mackenzie Gore, but what I'm trying to get to is with a lot of these, the depth at bullpen that they keep building, they're not going to rely on their starters to go too deep. Like they're going to really, they're going to maximize best opportunities, which postseason teams do. So that's what they're doing right now. So even if like Gore comes up, he might have a lot of four, maybe five inning starts. Like he's not going to go deep because the second there's a problem, middle of the game, he's gone. So Things like that to keep in mind when those moves come through. Now to the fun ones here. First one, well, they were all fun, but uh, the, the kind of fun one, just because Jason Castro, he was on a lot of our late round you know, values at catchers because he was going to pretty much be the lone ranger in Anaheim. Great defensive catcher, swung a pretty good bat when we looked at all the X stats and everything last year with Minnesota. Playing this year has been good. He's been banged up, nothing special. Like He wasn't jumping off the page like he was last year. But now he comes over to San Diego – and, you know, they already had Austin Hedges. They had Francisco Mejia. So Mejia is pretty much going to be out of the picture here. Hedges, who knows, because Castro is a great defensive catcher. We'll get to another catcher in a minute. But if you're a Jason Castro owner, who's not going to be playing every day now or shouldn't be. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough situation with them grabbing Austin Nola, you know. Uh, God, what a, what a little bit of a cluster, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just with um, – you know, you now have four catchers there, and it sounds like both Hedges and um, Mejia have options, but it's just a, a challenging situation overall. So that'll be interesting. I think Castro, yeah, I mean, Max probably one out of every three games would be my guess. I think Nola is the – Castro's better from a defensive perspective, I think. I haven't investigated Nola recently, but just from what I had heard, maybe I'll check that out right now while I, while I talk, but – um, I think it's definitely limiting to his um, value. So fantasy owners should probably move on um, from that. Um, I think if you have any any better options, Nola's all right. 50, I mean, he's he's 57th percentile in framing, so that's fine. Yeah, he's not bad. He's I think they're getting him more for his bat. Like if you even look at roster resource, oh, yeah. he's projected to be a utility because we've seen him play all over. We loved him last year and this year because of his multi position flexibility which he brings, like, he could legit platoon with Mitch Moreland at DH if they need to. Like, you don't want him totally. at DH, but he could he could DH or he could let, you know, Manny Machado take a day off from third base, or they can move things around. Like, it gives him a ton of flexibility, which is tremendous, and that could allow Hedges to stay on the roster to be a defensive catcher. That's something they could yeah. definitely look at as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on all of that. But the move with Austin Nola, and this was very big because I know a lot of people were bidding on Nola this week or already had Nola in recent weeks because of what he was doing. Now you got to watch playing time, but it's quite the move. Um, Ty France, Andres Munoz. Um, oh, no, this is a mess here of, of different things here. Let me. Yeah. Uh, it's just Taylor Munoz. There's a there's a catcher yeah. in there as well. Torres, yeah, Torrens, Torrens is going. Torrens, yeah, um, yeah. This is a gigantic cluster. So Torrens, Trammell, Munoz, France are going to the Mariners, which is an amazing haul because Andres Munoz is, is hurt. But remember. High hundreds, like low hundreds, high ninety stuff. Electric. Uh, let him get better and maybe get something there. Ty France, we've seen him play very well. He usually plays versus lefties in a platoon. 
Taylor Trammell's still young, but there are some prospect hype on him. You got Torrens as well. So that's a, like a really good haul for the Mariners, all things considered. And then the, the Padres get Nola, who we will talk about. Austin Adams, who many of us liked coming into the season as a potential closer in Seattle, never got healthy, but he throws gas. Like if he can get healthy just for the playoffs, it's another big bullpen arm for them. And then Dan Altavia, like kind of a throw-in in the deal. But um, big, big move. Stay with the Padres side for now. What do you think about Nola being there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, again, more depth in the lineup. I mean, the thing about Nola is, oh, double play. Gene Segura, double play, Bubba. Yep. How beautiful is that when you got your closer in there? You should, and you should, you should, you should thank your first baseman on that one, that stretch job by Freddie Freeman. Oh, yeah. oh man, you've got it on your television. I'm just yeah. looking at my phone, just like, just refresh, refresh. No, I mean, the thing about Nola that I find very interesting is, you know, last year, like I have my kind of process that I run through guys to look at how they're doing. And he jumped out at me. And and this year, again, like he's been a, an incredibly good hitter, I would go so far as. Like a guy who's actually like a, a pretty significant um, positive when it comes to um, like your OBP, like in an OBP league. So um, 373 OBP, you look at his O swing is down at 22%, right? So pretty elite number there. He's also got a contact rate of 83.7%. So that's way above league average in those critical departments. And then you have his hard hit rate at 51.2%, right? And so that's fan graphs. You look at his stat cast page, it's all red as well, you know? And so like, this is a guy who, I mean, yes, he's 29. Catchers are generally late developing. But when you look across the board at the skill set from a hitting perspective, he's a very good hitter. He's a very, very good hitter. And at least he's shown that in made in his baseball career so far, I should say. And so I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant move for them. I mean, they're, um, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're, I mean, their lineup is what, I mean, we could run through that lineup and, and I don't know if there's a weak spot after the, the couple of trades that they've made. And, and wait till Tommy comes back. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so if they, yeah, when Tommy Pham comes back, geez. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great move for them. I mean, you know, it's a great move. They obviously gave up a lot, but at some point in time, you kind of need to go for it. And I think Nola is going to be around for a few more years. I don't I don't think he's like going to be a free agent anytime soon. Um, and so, yeah, I just think I think it's a really great move for them, and especially you know if they kind of I I mean if they can get that number one starter. I mean that is a they're, they're going to be a force because offensively they're so they're going to be so deep and so solid and have so many players that have really good approaches to like high OBP guys like Grisham and, um, and others. So yeah, it's just really nice. And then you think about adding a number one starter along with Paddock and Lamette uh, Richards is struggling. Who am I missing there? There's one other decent guy they have. Woo! Zach Davies, Zach Davies, Zach and Zach Davies, who I love the changes Zach Davies is making throwing his change up like 42% of the time, just acquired him in a dynasty league. He's pretty young and his command plus on Eno Saris, he put out a article recently and he had the best command plus of any starter. So um, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot working for them, you know, like there's just a lot. And so yes, they've given up a lot, but um, they're really, I think kind of handling it right. Especially if they get that, if they land that top starter who they can have for at least a couple of years. Yeah, so for fantasy-wise, it might be tough for Nola just because we don't know about the playing time. But, yeah, like you mentioned, he's, he's doing everything great. Age 30 season, late bloomer type stuff. 
Um, his barrel rate is, is almost doubled 3.4 to 6.1 this year. You look at all his X stats on Savant, he's actually kind of underachieving, which is crazy to think about. Not by a lot, but there's a, a minor gap there. So he's basically, if not doing what he's supposed to be doing, to slightly underachieving. Um, and, and the big takeaway, you mentioned the swing the swing strike percentage. It really stands out because K rates dropped from 23.5 to 15.5. That is tremendous. That's, that's really, really mm-hmm. can obviously help things. Like Captain Obvious type stuff, but it, it's very, totally. very huge. So um, big, big way to go about it there. So that wraps up the Padres for now. Uh, Jeff Passon actually had a very funny tweet while you were talking there, so I'll, I'll mention yeah. this. So since yesterday afternoon alone, the Padres have added Nola, Rosenthal, Moreland, Castro, Adams, Altavila. So we talked about all those guys. They traded away Trammell, France, Torrens, Munoz, Oliveras, Rosario, Potts, Reyes, and a player to be in Lane Blader. They used a very deep farm system. They made themselves very good contenders this year. So that's the way you do it. Beautifully done by the Padres. And we'll have to see what else they do because I just – weird feeling. They're not done yet. It's just a weird, weird feeling about that. But um, we will wait. I, I, I wonder if they're going to trade my one Padre fantasy di- dynasty asset. Which one? Uh, Tupika. I think that's his first name. Um, one second. Uh, uh, Tucupita Marcano. He's kind of a light hitting, defensively very good second base prospect. Um, not not any power, but but hit tool and speed. So, anyways, yeah, no, I, I still think they try to get a, a collect. They're rumored to be near the top of the Clevenger sweepstakes, so we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, a couple other trades we will talk about. We won't talk about all of them. Maybe we'll hit on some more next week and see what the big boys do. But uh, the Blue Jays did acquire Taiwan Walker, and I found that to be very interesting since Walker has actually put together a decent season so far from what we were hoping to see of him at one point. Then he got hurt and, you know, it didn't really pan out completely. But in his first start with the Blue Jays over the weekend, uh, he went six innings, four hits, no earned, three walks, four strikeouts. Good to see there. Uh, when you look at him on the season, 327 ERA, 484X there's, there was There's been some really, really good starts and some really shaky starts with uh, Taiwan Walker. When you're looking at a guy like Walker now going to the East, that's going to be scary. Buffalo's a very, very hitter-friendly ballpark, as we can tell. You got the the Yankees there. You have the Rays who are sneaky. Like there's there's, there's going to be issues coming up. Are you a, a fan of Walker in, in Toronto, or are you still staying away? Yeah, I mean, I'm still staying away if I if I can. I mean, right? There's only so much you can do in certain leagues. Like you're in 15 team leagues right now, trying to get pitching. Like I wish you the best of luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some, some, he's over outperforming a lot of, I think, you know, he's got the low Babbitt, the 225 Babbitt, which is certainly helping him a lot. He's also got the strand rate that's really high at 81.3%. Like when you think about kind of the luck metrics, uh, if you will, um, and, and having a high strand rate is, isn't necessarily that uncommon for your elite pitchers just because they are so good and they get the high K's. You know, the thing for Walker, for me, you know, his swinging strike rate is down at 7.2%. K-minus walk rate at 13.1% is great. But what that tells me is, you know, um, unless he's getting a lot of called strikes, which could be the case, um, you know, that K rate is going to come down. And some of the metrics, like he's, he's, hit, he's, he's in the zone a lot, but he gives up a lot of contact when he's in the zone. He's not getting chases. So I could see a couple really disaster starts coming for him um, pretty soon. Not to just totally rain on the parade. I mean, he's an arm, but um, I think that there's a lot of there a lot of the signs are pointing towards him uh, having a, a lot of re- regression coming his way. 
Yeah, I've, I've had a hard time buying into him, so I don't own him anywhere. Like I see the, the desire to have him, but uh, there's a lot of lot of question marks up in the air there that don't look too promising just yet with Mr. Taiwan Walker. Uh, before I made when I made the outline, this was before the Braves game. Before Tommy Malone gave up seven runs, and like let's talk about that Melanson save. Yeah, <laughs> great defense. Wait till you go see the double play. Swanson started with a great play, Ooh. big stretch. Dansby. And yeah, Dansby also hit the jack to give them the yep. two, you know, the two run lead. So it's big time. Damn. I got him on my teams. There you go. There you go. Uh, Tommy Malone to the Braves for two low level prospects um, that maybe pan out someday, but they're not even in like the top thirty for the Braves. So um, not major names there. Like the article on MLB trade rumors doesn't even name them. So that tells you where they're at there. Um, Malone gets shelled today. Got just crushed. He was having kind of an okay go there with the Orioles. Like our buddy Alex Fast was really pumped on him. His changeup use is almost up to 40% now. So he's lower in the fastball usage, way more changeups, minimal sliders. Uh, and, and he's executing that well. If you look at a scatter plot on Savant, is where he's locating his changeup is the most important part. He's, it's just low and away, low and away. Um, and that, that's been huge for him to get weak contact and be successful. I don't like him at all in Atlanta. Do you have any desire to grab Tommy Malone? No, not really. I mean, what a difficult situation to put a guy in, though. I mean, I, he was traded, oh, what, this morning, right? I was shocked he was pitching today. Yeah, they. I mean, I literally saw a tweet that said, Malone is flying into Atlanta and he's going to pitch tonight. It's like, sounds like a recipe for success for me, right? I mean, they won the game, so there's that. Like, if you're spotted a 10, 10, 10 to 1 lead. Um yeah, I mean, I think I think Malone was doing about as be- as well as he can do with the tools that he has. I mean, if you look at a lot of the like pretty traditional metrics, like swinging strike rate, it's great, twelve point five percent. In zone contact is great, but it's all around the changeup, right? His changeup is nasty. We know that, and and there's there's limitations, I think. And so I think the thing is, he's been doing everything we could have hoped, right, to be really good, and still his expected woba. Again, not a predictive metric, but just a kind of pretty good summation of strikeouts, walks, quality of contact is still 323. So slightly worse than league average. And so what that tells me is kind of at his, at his peak, you're hoping he goes out there and gets kind of your traditional quality start, right? Six innings pitch, three earned runs, five innings pitch, three earned runs, something like that is what you're looking for from Malone, not that much else. And, and maybe a little bit of K's, but I think that's about as good as we can expect. And then I think the, the NL East. Yeah, I mean, the AL East was hard, was, is, is a decently hard-hitting division as well. The NL East is too. So not a massive change there, but certainly not a guy that I've felt brave enough to roster um, on my team so far. Yeah, there's no chance I'll have him on my roster. Not going to happen. Just, I'll take my gamble somewhere else with like a middle reliever. I will not have Tommy Will on my roster. Yeah. Um, the last piece we'll talk about here before this little quick run through some news. Michael Pineda, love him or hate him, there's been some great moments with him. There's been some pinata moments. There's a reason his nickname is Michael Pinata at times. Um, but he's returning from his absence on Tuesday to face the Chicago White Sox. Not the best matchup to return to, but he's coming back and he's a big strikeout arm. We'll give us some home runs. Like you said with Taiwan Walker, like you're looking for arms, especially in deeper leagues. Pinata's always kind of been one of those guys that has my attention. Like I like him as like a streaming option for sure. Pick my battles with him. What's your thoughts on Michael Pineda? Yeah, I mean, I think Pineda is is pretty is is he's solid, right? Like we kind of know the book on him. Um, you know, pretty good stuff, although not necessarily where it was earlier on in his career. I think he's lost a little bit of velocity over the years. Um, you know, 
pretty decent control. So the K minus walk rate looks nice. The swinging strike, it looks pretty nice, but he's always been vulnerable to that quality of contact issue on a consistent basis. So it's challenging to throw him out there. You know, I'm not putting him out there against the White Sox. It, it is tough because it would be a two-star week, you know, if you're in a weekly league and the and the Tigers are on the other end of that. So maybe, but I just started Sandy Alcantara today, so I'm not feeling in the mood to to take any of these guys who are coming back from injury slash layoff um, and adjusting to especially a lineup like uh, the, you know, the White Sox are, are capable of producing. So um, for me, like he's definitely somebody interesting in deeper leagues that I want to have. I probably, you know, probably depends on what my options are. I could see myself putting him in there if I was desperate. Like if, if I, if I didn't, if I wasn't too worried about ratios, like my, your ratios can go places pretty quickly. I've learned that. Um, from uh from 17 or uh 17 earned runs and four innings um from from Brandon Belak and 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 Jordan Jordan Lyles a couple weeks ago on all my teams but um your ratios can definitely go places but if you're less worried about that and you more need the W's and the and the K's obviously like I, I would have them in my lineup especially with that Tiger start if I have the luxury of not doing that then I probably just want to see what he looks like in those first couple starts or in, in, you know, in a, in daily leagues or, you know, leagues that you get to split up your pitching in half. Um, I would, uh, I would just hold them out until that tiger start. Yeah, definitely something to monitor. If you can wait, wait, if not, if you can get them for cheap early and just kind of see what he does, I would do it just because the upsides there, like the tigers, maybe they, I haven't looked at their schedule. They might still hit the pirates, things along those lines. Those could be very, very uh, come in handy. So keep an eye on that. Just a couple quick hitters on the news. For those of you that own Charlie Morton, he will be back this week on Tuesday or Wednesday, so you can probably plug him in if you're feeling comfortable or just know he's going to be back for you the following week. If you're Yankees. Yeah, but it's a beat-up Yankees, so keep it's that true. in mind. Um, Story Hunter of Charlie Harvey. Morton. Yes. Uh, Hunter Harvey of the Baltimore Orioles. He's returning soon, and they've already said they're going to ease him into the closing role, which makes sense because they just traded Michael Gibbons to Colorado and everything else. There was like Solcer Blue one today. Hunter Harvey is who we liked going into the season. He got hurt. They're going to put him back there, so keep him in mind. If he's available on your wire, grab him and stash him if you can because he's going to get you saves eventually. Uh, Walker Buehler threw a 30-pitch bullpen on Saturday, and they, they flat out said, we still have no timetable for his return. So good chance you get no Walker Buehler this week. Keep that in mind. I wouldn't count too much on that. Interesting. Um, I, I did see on Twitter recently that they have TBD on Thursday. Really? And he, yeah, and he did. He threw um, today, which would put him in line or yesterday, whichever day it was, yeah, which would yesterday. put him in line for Thursday. I saw a couple of people tweet that out, but again, they probably won't confirm. And they also said it was, his finger was uncovered. So it sounds like hopefully the blister issue is, is improved. And he only threw 30 pitches. So he's not going too deep if he returned. Yeah. So even if he plays, I don't know if I want to start him. So brutal, brutal um, season. We're getting from him. Um, if you have the Oakland A's, keep it in mind. He, they had a, they don't know. They haven't said. We assume it's a player. They have said a member of the A's. It could be a staff. We have no idea. Some one person so far is what's come out. Could be more. They're doing tracing, all that good stuff. One member um, has tested positive. That's why they did not play today in Houston. And just to give you a heads up, uh, they start with Seattle this week on Tuesday for three. So if you're in a, a biweekly league or something, probably set your manners as well. Just something to think about. Um, JD Martinez was hit on the wrist of the uh, at bat today. Uh, MRI was negative, but he's been struggling a ton. We're going to talk about him a little later. Just keep an eye on him. 
And there's a bunch of other little news, but little nuggets there for your main players that should be returning or not returning this week when you set your lineups. All right, first half guys that played really well or really bad. And what we think going into the second half is we're just a little over the halfway mark, depending if you're the Cardinals or someone else. Depends on where you're at. But um, we'll start with Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. And this guy has been absolutely amazing. Hitting 282 on the year with 10 home runs. Last year he hit 17 in 82 games. He has 10 homers in 33 games already this year. Um, you look at his, his X stats are outstanding. The hard hit, the barrel rate's up to 20%. Hard hit rate's actually lower than it's been recently, but still very good. Strikeout rate's down 11% from last year, down to 23.7%. All his X stats are great, and he and if, I will I will sit behind this, the comment that he mashes right-handed pitching. So um, he's going to at least do that. He hits 272 this year with a 321 ISO and a 285 ISO last year, even a buck 96 the year before. So I'm going to say he hits right-handed pitching very, very well. Um, he's been getting some at-bats versus lefties. So everything you look at, he's having a monster season. The question I have for you, who understands these stats way better than I do and can dig deeper than I can, is this sustainable for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think sustainable is uh, is always an interesting question, right? Because yeah. oftentimes these guys are on our list because they're doing either really a lot better than people expected, or the projections expected, or a lot worse than people expected, or the projections expected. And so, with any situation like that, where you're good enough or bad enough you know, to be showing up on these lists, the chances are there's going to be some regression coming your way. But I definitely like the way that the that Lau's approach has um, has improved. So, you know, he's being more selective at the plate. His O swing is down about 8%. So he's got, he's got a clue of what he's looking for when he steps into the box. His contact rate is also up 3%. That's going to help out the K rate. I don't think it's going to help out the K rate to the extent that we've seen so far. Right, he's got a right around league average K rate, despite having well below league average contact. Um, and, and again, we don't necessarily mind that because of the quality of contact he generates as a result of trying to hit the ball really, really hard. I mean, he's very successful at that. So I think if anything, we're going to see some regression coming. Um, you know, in the strikeout rate, the K, the home run per fly ball rate, you know, is is slightly elevated from where he is traditionally at his career. You know, but again, I think he's going to be a guy who does that on a pretty consistent basis. So, I mean, I think he's a very solid player moving forward. He's playing every day now. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, you probably won't see as good a second half as we saw first half. And there'll be some regression. I would expect that K rate to, to, to move up as the season progresses, drop that batting average maybe a little bit. But, um, you know, again, like, I mean, he, he mashes and he's mashed now for two consecutive years. And so, and the approach is improving, and I think those are the types of guys that I feel pretty good about uh, some level of sustained success for sure. Yeah, there's going to be many guys when we go into the offseason, like looking at rankings and other things along those lines that will be very interesting, and Lau's going to be one of them because I know he's never on anyone's list. He's not like uh, – he, he might crack your top 20 at second base maybe. I didn't see many go past 15, I'll tell you that much. And he's done it now. This will be his third straight year of being very, very productive. So it's going to be – Interesting to see where he ranks out this next year at a second base position that's not that deep. So um, that'll be fun to check out. Let's go to Seattle. We were talking to Mariners youth earlier, and one of the big pieces of that youth is Kyle Lewis, who's been starting since day one, seven home runs in the year, hitting 339. Um, but, you know, you look, there, there's some pros and some cons here. This is, where it's, it's a very interesting subject. He's only striking out 24.8% of the time, which for him is outstanding. He's walking 13.8% of the time, which he's never done at any level of baseball since he's been drafted. 
And for a young kid to, to walk almost 14% of the time, that is amazing. That is really, really good. And, you know, a buck 65 WRC plus, buck 85 ISO, not bad. But a 427 Babbitt, that's very unsustainable. That's something to keep in mind. Um, and then his X stats, all of them don't look great. A 31.5% hard hit rate, it's okay. Maybe not for the production you're seeing. So there's some red flags on one side, but then there's some other positives on the other. Like, I believe there's going to be regression, sure, but the power might stay there. He still might steal some bags, but you, you got to imagine the bag average comes down. But if he's walking, he's going to still get on base and be productive. It's it's hard to, to throw him away, like to say, no, he's going to be bad in the second half. What do you say on him in the second half? Yeah, I mean, I think the batting average is where you're going to see the hit coming. Um, but the thing is, like, it's not that you still get what he gave you, right? You know, you still get that. And and it's not like he's got this terrible approach at the plate. I mean, I've been super impressed by him. Um, you know, number one, his plate discipline, you know, like you said, like he hasn't really shown that at any, you know, um, well, I, I haven't looked at his minor league career. I mean, he's done it in some places. Like in 2018 and 2019, he actually had decent plate discipline, you know, 10, 10.8%, 11.2% walk rate. So he's shown that a little bit in the past this year, 24% O swing, you know, as a, as a relatively young guy, you know, his, his second year in the bigs, his first full year in the bigs. I think that's really uh, caught my eye as did the 7% increase in contact rate so far. Um, that's huge, including 5% in the zone. So he's still worse than league average there, but he's, he's getting better. Again, he's improving. And again, you know, we only have a month sample size, so let's see what happens. Right. And also like one thing I think is challenging about these numbers too, is like, because guys are stuck in the same division and playing against the same division. And I think there's pretty dramatic differences in the quality of pitching in some of those divisions and and opponents. Um, I think it, it could, some of that is probably factoring into this as well. The hard hit rate is is up, but still not necessarily where you want to see it. But I think the benefit there is that when you look at his stack cast metrics, they're actually really good. You know, barrel percent 70, 72nd percentile. You know, the expected metrics are all well above league average. You know, he's also fast, 80th percentile in terms of his sprint speed. So I think he's got the full package. And remember, he's 25. He's got, you know, 250 plate appearances in the big leagues, and he's already demonstrating an ability to change. I think he's been playing good defense, like you mentioned. Um, so, I mean, the guy's really good. I think you were going to see regression in the second half just naturally because the first half was so good. But I don't think he's going to regress to nothing. I mean, I think it'll just be like, I don't know, 250 batting average or something like that from here on out or maybe a little bit lower than that. Something of that nature. But, um, you know, again, like I think he's a really quality guy that you want in your lineup because he's, he's almost a five-category contributor. Yes, and that is very big. Now, if you own Kyle Lewis, would you sell Kyle Lewis? Uh, if I was in a redraft league, yeah. If I, I, he might be a guy that I would look to to trade. Again, it's always like depends on what you need and you know and what that cost is. Um, I should see if there's anybody on our list that we're going over here that I would trade him for. I don't, I don't think so that I've seen. But um, yeah, I mean, I think those are always things like that you need to be looking at is guys who have overperformed so far. Again, we're still dealing with a small sample size, so they could continue to be really good. But, um, you know, you always want to cut bait before that regression starts to hit hard. Um, so definitely a guy that I, I would, um, you know, look at look at trading and redraft, sure. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, let's go to the, the land of the baby Blue Jays. And we literally could have just made a whole list of the baby Blue Jays because they've been amazing. And I love them. And I keep telling 
Kenneth Cashman of Rotoware now that he has his official MLB trademark to make the shirt. I tried to get him to make like two, three months ago, and he wasn't allowed to. And I want it now. I want them in a nest as as birds, but their faces on the top of the birds, the baby blue chips. That's what I want. I like that. Yeah, I told him that, and that's what I want. And I'm going to keep bugging him, and now I want everyone listening to bug him. I want that shirt. I will buy it immediately. So, like, you get Vladdy, you get Biggio, you get Tiosk, you get the whole crew. Make it happen. Um, uh, Boba Shed, of course, right in the middle. Teoscar right in the middle, just hanging out there. Just like, hey, I, I was going to put Teoscar on this list, but uh, he's just too good. And like, okay, would you rather have Teoscar Hernandez or Kyle Lewis the rest of the season? Um, Teoscar, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's stealing for the first yeah. time in his major league career. I mean, and that ball, and that ballpark, you just yeah. can't. That that that's a bandbox. That's ridiculous. Um, but we will talk about his teammate Randall Grichik, who we talked about all preseason as a late outfield target. We both liked him. We loved him for the power. We 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 always said he's not going to hit really for a good average. Like he's not. We just it's just not going to happen. Well, he's hitting 306 this year, and he's having the highest BABIP he's had since. 2015 with the Cardinals at 338. He's striking out a little less than he has in uh, actually the lowest he's, uh, in his entire career at 23.9%. So that that's a big plus. He's not running, of course, but Grichik doesn't run. But, you know, barrel rates up, hard hit rates up from last season. It's like the best it's been since 2016. Uh, it, it's everything looks great. Everything's absolutely outstanding. I love Randall Grichik. I know you're a fan of Randall Grichik. Do you believe this can sustain for the next month of the baseball season? Yeah, I mean, I think one benefit he has is he's in the AL East, and the AL East pitching is just such – it's so bad. Um, it's so bad. And the Blue Jays have this string of games. You know who has this string of games coming up too is Philly. Look for Phillies just to go off in the next little bit. But, like, you know, I, I can't see their previous schedule, but it's been, like, Oriole. It, so they have, like, two more – they have one more against the Orioles after playing the Orioles twice in the last two weeks. Then they have two at Miami. Then they have Boston for five. Then they have the Yankees. Then they have the Mets, who are also bad. You know, um, with the Phillies, I mean, the Phillies have like 25 straight games, it looks like. You know, they've got the Nats for four. Then they've got the Mets for four and the Red Sox for three. And uh, they, they play the Marlins. They play seven games against the Marlins in five days. And they've got the Mets again, and they've got two back-to-back doubleheaders against uh, the Blue Jays. So, you know, those types of things are just, they're wonderful. And that's really where Grichik has mashed, and that's what you want to see him do. I think from uh, from just a perspective, like, of the skills, you know, um, his contact rate has improved now for two consecutive years. His contact rate is right around um, – uh, um, uh, league average right now around 76 and a half percent, which is great. The BABIP is up, which is surprising. His line drive rate is up 8%. His launch angle is down about eight degrees to 10.5. And so what it's telling me is one of two things. Number one, he's just getting lucky because line drives have the most variance. And so his ground ball rate is about where it's been in the past, which is fine. It's like 38%, I think, which is good. Um, so he may just be have that high batting average because he's now hitting some line drives instead of fly balls. Um, but still, if he hits more fly balls, then maybe maybe they're um, you know maybe they're home runs. So the home run per fly ball rate is fourteen percent higher than you know what he's done about uh, throughout his career. So I definitely expect some regression there on the home run totals. His hard to hit rate is also up. The stat cast metrics all all up. So. 
to summarize, I just think that like he was injured last year, probably. Um, and he's been improved, making some improvements at the plate and they're starting to show, I think you're going to see some regression in the home run total, which is not surprising since he already has nine. Um, the only change there is like, I haven't looked at how many are, were home runs on the at home versus the road because that new park. So again, like I think he's made improvements, but, um, you know, probably won't be able to sustain what he's doing right now because he's just, he's crushing. Yep. He's absolutely crushing. The blue Jays are crushing. So, uh, that'll be fun to keep an eye on there. Kyle Seager has been outstanding this year, hitting 281, um, five homers, four steals. He hasn't had more than three steals since 2015. Like that, that's a crazy stat. Uh, 11.9% strikeout rate, the lowest of his career by a pretty decent amount. He's walking over 10% of the time. He's doing everything you want to see in those regards. But when you look at his stat cast numbers, bail rates up a little bit, hard hit rates up. That's all fine and dandy, but his X stats. They kind of uh, – some are good and some are not so good, like uh, that, that don't stand out. But overall, things point to the right direction. He might get traded. He's a rumored guy to get traded on Monday also because it's the Mariners and that's what they do. But other, other than that, if he's playing every day in the middle of this Mariners lineup that is sneaky, productive, you got to play keep playing Kyle Seager in my mind. What's your thoughts on Kyle Seager? Yeah, I think you definitely have to keep playing him. I mean, he's doing, he's doing, he's doing great. Yeah, the K rate's down. The contact rate is up. It was already really, really good. Um, great plate discipline. He's hitting the ball, um, hard, um, at least from fam perspective. And I know, as you mentioned, like, you know, everything's above league average on his, on his stat cast page. He's got some really nice, um, numbers there. So I just think he's an all around, very solid player. He's actually underperformed a little bit according to his expected Woba, although he is slow, even though he has the four stolen bases, he's like very slow. Um, so I think he's he's solid. He's fine. I think the one change that I've seen in his batted ball profile, his ground ball rate. Um, uh, do I have him up? Is this him? Man, I looked all, at all this stuff beforehand, so maybe I'm just confused. Yeah, his ground ball rate. Okay, there we go. His ground ball rate's up uh, about 9%. And I think that's why you see potentially like the higher Babbitt than he's put up. I think he's a launch angle guy who got maybe a little too far in the fly ball range over the last little bit. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, I think that might benefit him a little bit. I mean, maybe getting that ground ball rate a little bit lower than league average, but um, that's all to say, I think, you know, he's fine um, power down a little bit, but um, yeah, he's, he's fine. Like in a 15 team leg, he's fine in a 12 team league. It's kind of like, you know, nice little guy to have on your bench or to, to or to put in when he, when he's facing good matchups. Yeah, definitely. I've had him in deep leagues, the shallow leagues. I think I might've actually dropped him from someone else's week. Now that I think about it, cause he was in the last few weeks, I've not been as good for Kyle Seacrest, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm worried that it might keep falling, but overall the, the, the product is very strong. Let's talk about a guy that just hasn't really had it going since maybe the first series of the week of the season. I mean, and that is JD Martinez, three home runs on the year hitting 207. Um, everything you look at is down for JD. Striking out more, uh, 23.5%. He hasn't struck out that much since 2017. Walking 10.6%. That's kind of in line with what JD usually does, but barrel rates down. Hard hit rates down to 37%. That's really low for JD Martinez. All of his X stats, that they obviously say he should be better, but in reality, a 236X batting average, you still expect much more from JD Martinez. Like if you just do the simple, the, the, the easiest approach to StatCast and you look at his, his little chart right at the top of his page, usually it bleeds red. 
there's a lot of blue in this one. Like it, it is not making me feel comfortable at JD Martinez, who again, like I said earlier, I had my wrist on Sunday. The MRI is negative. That could affect his hitting coming forward. It's scary if you're a JD owner because you don't want to keep playing him, Toby. But what are you doing with JD Martinez if he's on your roster? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard not to play him. Um, yeah. You know, just given what's happening. I'm really interested. Actually, let's see where what is his um. 110.7 is his max exit below. I mean, I'm just checking something. Um, JD. Yeah, so it's down about two miles per hour yeah. in terms of the, his max exit below. You know, I just wonder, I mean, there's a couple things going through my mind. Like you mentioned, I mean, he's definitely earned the really terribleness that he's had this year. And the challenge is, right, you know, with a guy like that, he's 33, he's a DH. He's not necessarily, you know, the most physically uh, fit dude. Um, He's had an injury history, um, you know, kind of throughout the last few years. And the stat cast metrics definitely support that there's uh, that the quality of contact that he's making is down. And even having like a two mile per hour drop in his max exit below is something. So it's hard to know how, um, how much it is here to stay, how much is just a small sample size. Maybe it takes him a little bit, Maybe he's very routine oriented and and he just hasn't been able to get into it yet. Um, what I'd be interested to do is to see kind of how actually we can do that here. Why don't we do it? Um, I'm, I'm interested to see just like how this compares to other times in his career when he has struggled, especially recently. So this is a really good use. Um, you can't see my screen right now, but what I'm going to do is look at, um, uh, what his expected Wobo over a hundred batted ball games. Let's see if his average exit velocity. So he's kind of in the lowest point he's been at since 2017 right now. Um, hard hit rate, you know, towards the middle of last year, he also had a period of time right here. Um, so, you know, again, he's had down periods before and he's come back. So this is one of those tough ones where it's like going into draft season next year. It's going to be a real dilemma. Like, where does he fall? Was last year real? Like, what's going on? You know, Boston's also really bad this year. So it's also you wonder how much that's kind of weighed in on him as well. So, again, like he's definitely worse. I don't know if we should expect that he's going to get better just because it looks like something's off. Um, But he's J.D. Martinez. So most certainly could. Right now, if you walked into a draft for 2021 and you had to take one of these two in, say, the early third round, the other would, guy. You, would you take J.D. Martinez, you say that now, or Chris Bryant? Oh, J.D. Martinez. Come on. You know I got a beef with Chris I Bryant. I got I and by I beef, I mean I've been right on him for the last three yep. years or whatever. Yep. No, I'm just, just kidding. I was probably wrong on him last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just – I think he's going to – it's so hard with these kind of DH types, mm-hmm. you know, because um, you have Nelly Cruz who's kind of like the – the just he's still amazing, and J.D.'s such a good hitter. Um, but it can also – we've seen how quickly some of these guys, especially these like first-base DH types, how quickly they can kind of age and, and lose it. Um, so, yeah, I won't be drafting him next year probably. We'll see. I'll probably look very foolish for saying that, but. Um, All right, recency, recency bias for the win. 
let's go to the Bronx. Glaber Torres, who's on the IL now, but you know, before even going on the IL, it's been brutal for him. His strikeout rates down, which is great. His walk rates up to thirteen point one percent, which is outstanding. So those two things are awesome. But one home run hitting two thirty one point zero six four ISO. These are things you don't want. When you draft Labor Torres, he is barreling the ball 1.6% of the time. He has one barrel on the entire season before he went on the IL, which is not great. Um, he has a 311 Expo Bacon. Not good. 39% hard hit rate is actually higher than he's had in his career. Uh, so it, it's a weird, weird year for uh, Glaber Torres. The quality of contact is bad. Really, really bad. But um, is there is there hope for him? Because I was anti-Glaber Torres coming into draft season. I'm not done yet because if he comes back healthy, I know if he gets hot, he could just make up for everything real quick. We've seen that happen. He probably plays the Orioles like 12 more times. So all these things are very, very possible. But when you look at even even deeper stuff, he's really not attacking. You know, if you look at the meatballs and that kind of stuff, that's not great. His overall just production uh, seems down. Like he's almost too patient. It feels like a swinging percentage is down. Like all these things that his aggressiveness might be taken away from him. So what's your thoughts when you look at Glaber Torres? Because one barrel on the season from a guy that you drafted for his power is not good. Yeah, and I don't know what the prognosis for his hamstring is. It sounds like he's doing a little bit better, Aaron Boone said. But I saw last week that it was like a two- to four-week injury. So um, not great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the, the play discipline has improved, like you mentioned. But everything else has gotten a little bit worse not making as much contact in the zone, not making as much contact overall. The ground ball rate is up 5% um, as well. So, you know, it strikes me as a guy who's just kind of kind of not comfortable at the plate for whatever reason. I'm not sure whether that was um, as a result of, you know, injury beforehand. Maybe that's the high hamstring is something that's bothered him for a little while. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. So, I mean, you know, he's 23. He hasn't all of a sudden forgotten how to um, hit. I think it's just one of these short season things where, you know, either you're not healthy or you just don't have time to get going. And with the injury, especially like I know that in some of my deeper leagues, people dropped him last week. So um, again, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's, it's so hard to say, like I expect them to improve or I don't expect them to improve, but you know, he's certainly earned not being good this year so far which doesn't mean he isn't good. I mean, he's still a very good player. I just think it's it's so hard in such a shortened season to be able to put your finger on it. What happened, I'm sure we'll learn afterwards that maybe there were some lingering injury issues or um, he just, just never really got in a flow. He got injured before he got in a flow, whatever it is. Yeah, looking at uh, Roto World right now, Aaron Boone said two to three weeks about two days ago. And um, Brian Cashman at that same time said three to six weeks. So either way, it's going to be at least probably two more weeks before you see him at the, uh, the prime side of things. And by then you have like two weeks left in the season. So would you drop labor Torres? Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's, that's the crux. I would have dropped right him last week if I had, yeah. or like, um, I can't remember what league it was in, but um, you know, I think when you have, when you, when a guy is injured and there's just one or two more weeks left that he has to play. Yeah. I mean, I'm also like a hypocrite because I still have Josh Donaldson and Ozzy Albies just rotting on one of my main event <laughs> benches. Um, but you know, those guys, I think Donaldson may come back this homestand and Albies has been swinging both sides. So there's some hope that you'll get them for, you know, and one thing to consider too is like, yeah, there's, you know, maybe you just get them for three weeks, but those three weeks are going to be full of games, yep. you know, like there's going to be a lot of double headers for almost every single team down the stretch here. So it could be, it could be some goodness, but for Glaber, it's just, 
when he's struggling so bad and then he's coming back from the injury, just I don't see it. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. Uh, the last player we're going to break down tonight, we might get to some more next week, is Jose Altuve, another guy that's been you know an early draft pick, or like top three rounds or so draft pick, only hitting 211 on the season. Babbitt's only 245, much lower. Like last year's 303 was the lowest of his career, and he, he's trumping that pretty good. Not hitting for power. He's striking out more than he has hit in his entire career, even in the minors, 19.3% of the time. Three homers, two stolen bases. When you dig in even deeper, he's barreling the ball 4.8% of the time, five total barrels on the season, and 105 batted balls. That is not good at all. Uh, the hard hit rate's actually pretty similar to his last three seasons, so that part stands out as being okay. But overall, not looking good for Jose Altuve. He started to hit a little better the last few games. Maybe there was something going on because he kind of got banged up, then came back. Who knows? Are you a, a believer in maybe a Jose Altuve strong You know, last three weeks of the season, or are you kind of – thinking this might be what we what we get the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think I'm still a believer. Um, you know, I think when you look at like a lot of the underlying metrics, they're not that different, right? We're talking about a month here. We've had a month so far in the season. It feels like so much longer. But like his contact rate is only down. It's down about 2%, you know, but his in-zone contact rate is up, um, you know, about about 2%. He's swinging up more pitches outside the zone. Um, You know, his hard hit rate's right about where it has been. His ground ball rate is up just a little bit, which makes it two consecutive seasons. That's a little bit concerning. But again, like I think if we were to go back and look at how this type of a struggle, how this type of a, yeah, let's actually do, I like doing these comparisons because I actually think they're super helpful. Um, Let's do the splits tool and let's just look at his WRC plus by month. How do I do it by month? Where am I missing this? I know this is very fun. Um, Why why am I forgetting how to do the month? Um, Well, Maybe it's only with the split tool. Anyway, this would be boring, but um, what I would want to see, oh, I, I know how I can do it easily. Okay, sorry, guys. Thank you for, for paying attention here. What I'm looking is I'm going to use a rolling average graph. How many games has he played so far this season? Uh, Jose Altuve has played in 32 games. Played in 32 games. So we'll do a 32 rolling average graph of his WRC plus and his WOBA just to see if he's been here before. Um, well... I mean, this is about this is about the lowest he's ever been in a 32 game rolling WRC plus. In the middle of last year, um, you know, he had a similar uh, uh, spike in the middle of the season that got pretty close. So, you know, maybe, um, maybe I don't know, I don't know. It's tough, but. You know, he's the type of guy you could see falling to like around pick 100 next year in like a draft. And that'll be a really interesting uh, dynamic. But, um, you know, he's not that old, right? He's like 30. He's 30 years old. So I don't see why he would get worse so quickly. I mean, I know there's like the he doesn't know what pitch is coming and stuff like that. But I don't see I don't see enough changes in the profile to actually think that that's a thing. And I don't think that was going on last year either. So. I don't know. He had just fine on the road also. Yeah. So it's just, I think, 
I think he's in a low point. Maybe he's not the hitter that he was earlier on in his career, but I still think that there are good days ahead for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. But there's a lot of players we could have talked about. Um, there's a lot more that a lot of people are curious on. We have a couple of listener questions we'll get to a little later that highlight a few more players that I thought about putting on the list. But uh, let's get into Fab. And this was, like I said, we have three more weeks after this. So a lot of people are out of money. I'm out of money in TGFBI, and I'm not happy about that. But I looked at my roster, and I had no choice. Like, it's, I, I've had every injury under the sun. It's been ridiculous. And so it's just going to be what it is. I'm just going to write it out and see what happens here uh, to end things out. I'm second in my league right now, praying that I can just keep battling week after week. But it's it's been brutal. Every guy I pick up, then he gets hurt. Like, it's just been – yeah, no one needs my sob stories, but it's been annoying to say the least. But um, when you look at uh, Fab this week, Toby, the big guy for most leagues is Ian Anderson. He went 201 total NFBC leagues, high of 417, low of nine in my TGFBI, TGFBI league. He went for 204, runner-up of 142, so not too shabby. But guys like Gregory Soto, Dane Dunning, uh, Belt getting some love. Um, Sam Haggerty, who I thought most people should have picked up last week but didn't. That was interesting. Those are the like the, the big guys overall in the NFBC what were some uh, names that stood out to you when you're looking at Fab for the week? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was Anderson, um, you know, um, who looked really good against the Yankees again. It, it diminished Yankees. I dug a little bit deeper, and and I wasn't as interested as I thought I was going to be, just because I think his mo has been kind of. I think he has struggles with control and command, and the swinging strike rates were were nice. The, the CSW was nice. But, you know, the walk, the walk rate was still there. And I just wonder when people get a little bit more comfortable with what they're going to see from him, especially since he hadn't thrown yet this year. I was just a little bit off. He's got the two starts this week, but it's like I think it's at Boston and then at home against the Nationals. So, okay, not like the best two-step that you want in the world. So he was certainly interesting. And obviously now you're just kind of taking shots at guys you want to improve. My biggest bids of the week were for Gregory Soto. He's been a guy I've been tracking all year. He's looked really good. He's got those two saves. I know everybody's like, you know, they want Jimenez to come back and take the job. Joe Jimenez has never been good. No. I mean, let's look at his career. He's never been good. He has never been good for an extended period of time. Maybe in like 2018 before the the ball. And Soto's really good. The velo's up. Everything looks really nice. He's not really walking guys. So he was the guy that I kind of put a lot of my leagues on the line uh, this weekend for. So really liked him um, a lot. Dane Dunning, I really liked him after last week, and I didn't put him bids because he didn't. Have, he wasn't on the schedule. Yeah, that bummed me ah. up. Too. Bummed, I, I actually, I'll let you keep going here in a minute, but like Mike, no, Curlin, no, no. Mike Curlin and I both said it the day it was Dunning versus Mize. I was more excited about Dane Dunning. I think he's like, I know Mize is good, but when it comes to fantasy for strikeouts and that kind of stuff, Dunning's the guy over Mize for me. Like that's how it's always been in my book. But like you said, is they weren't guaranteeing him another spot. Like they still haven't guaranteed him one after this. Like what he did today, which was phenomenal. Well, stuff. I saw a tweet oh, from man. the man at said that that he's earned a spot. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, good. And he's got initially. Oh, that well, yeah, just like he did today. Sign him up. So um, yeah, continue. I I I'm with you. I'm mad because I spent my last fab last week and. I spent my last fab last week on just keep them honest bids, but no one bid on these guys, and that kind of pissed me off too. <laughs> so that stunk. But I got Sixto Sanchez for 44 bucks, so happy about that. But nice. Dane, I would have put Dane Dunning bids out there, and I didn't the same reason you did. So continue. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I think he, he 
he looked really good skills wise. Um, you know, and he's one of those guys who's like, doesn't have the name necessarily, but has, has been successful. So, um, yeah, he was a guy I didn't get any shares. I don't think, um, which I was sad about, um, Haggerty. I like a lot. He gets on base. He's in the Mariners. He's going to continue to play and potentially steal there a lot. Um, so in leagues where I wanted steals, he was a guy that I, that I tried to get. Bard, I got a lot last week. Tyler Molly. Tyler, mm-hmm. is it Molly or Molly? I always call him Molly. I call him it Molly, be, but yeah. It should be Molly. It really should yeah. be Molly. He is a guy. He's a guy, man. He's a guy. <laughs> I really, you know, I've been digging. I've, I've been looking at what he's doing, and I've been digging it. And, you know, they've been, they've been playing around with him in the rotation. So I dropped him in like a 12-teamer, and then I had to pick him up again this week for like you know, 37 bucks or something like that. But with you, when you look at what he's doing, I mean, he's improving across the board. He's less around the plate, but he's getting folks to chase more. Um, the swinging strike rate, you know, again, we're dealing with small sample size, but I think it's like his last three strike, three starts I was looking at. It's like over 14%. He's got the velocity. Um, he's just been really good. The whip is low because he's not giving up hits. I mean, he's walking guys. But it's kind of like um, I feel like there's some guys who have decided instead of worrying about walking guys and being around the plate that they're going to be a little bit more precise and they'd rather take walks than kind of give up the big hit, which is always like a fine line to walk. But um, but I think he has it. I'm going to have him a lot next year in leagues as long as he doesn't just absolutely smash at the end of the season and his price is up there. But um I liked him heading into this year, but I didn't have a bunch of shares again because he was out of the rotation, you know? Yeah, and it's just 100% with one you. of those freaking stories. So obviously I didn't like him as much as other people did, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I really do like Tyler Molly. I think he is going to prove to be better than Anderson and Dunning and all those guys down the stretch that I think were had higher bids that were put in on them. Uh, I really love Tyler Rogers um, and yeah. until today. Until today, I was going to have huge bids for him, and then they, then Gabe Kapler, Gabe Kapler, you know? Yeah. Rodgers will still get some, but I told someone to ask me a question today. Like, would you rather Soto or Rodgers? I said Soto because it's his job right now. Or Rodgers is going to have Kapler issues. Like, Rodgers might still I, – I, I believe he'll still get, like, a, a handful of saves through like down to the stretch. But can you trust when they're going to come? No. Because it's, it's Gabe Kapler, but I have I have Rogers in a lot of play. I picked him up for like a buck like two weeks ago when Trevor got started struggling, just so I could uh, throw him in to, to on weeks where my starter struggled because I know he's going to get he's going whenever he pitches he's going to pitch pretty well most of the time, mm-hmm. and he's going to get some saves from time to time as well for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. he's looked really good too skills wise. I was I was paying attention to him, so I was I had the same exact conversation like with myself and, uh, and some other folks who I talked to and yeah, as yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm looking at this, like, uh, Roman Quinn had a $252 bid on him. Other people are panicking. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I had a couple of small bids on him. I got a lot of him. Uh, belt has obviously looked really good. Yeah. I, like I mean, I think I like Barlow's going to get that job in KC probably now, just looking at usage today. You like him over um, Stalmont or whatever, however you pronounce his name? Well, you know, Stalmont pitched in the seventh today mm-hmm. and they didn't throw Barlow, which made me think that they were kind of saving him a little bit. So I bumped up a little bids based on that earlier. 
you know, I could see where Barlow doesn't have the same type of control issues that Stamont does. Um, Stamont's like been nasty, but he's also, his whip's like kind of high for, for never giving up hits because he walks so many guys. So, um, you know, maybe that's, that, that's the issue, but maybe they're going to just going to move it around. But I thought Barlow was going to get that. So those are some of the guys. I mean, uh, you know, who's, who's kind of interesting, I would say for future weeks and, or for this week, who I put in a couple bids on. Well, there's a couple interesting guys. The first one was um, uh, Taylor Clark of the yeah. Diamondbacks. Yeah. I was looking at him. He had a really nice start today, and his velocity is up almost a mile per hour over last year. He's at about 94.5 on his fastball. And his slider usage was, today at least, was higher than it has been throughout the course of the season. And it's actually a pretty good slider. Had a 19% swinging strike rate last year. Uh, this year, it's also got a pretty good swing strike rate. And so that that shows me that, you know, maybe there's a little something, something there. And he's going up against the Giants again next week at um, whatever their park is called now, but in San Francisco. So he was a little guy. And then um, also uh, Trevor Rogers, the pitcher yes. for the Marlins. Uh, Velocity is supposed to be up as Trevor well. Richards. Richards. Uh, uh, no, no, Trevor Rogers. Oh, they have a Trevor pitcher. Rogers. Marlins. Marlins gotcha. pitcher, not the Rays gotcha. guy. Gotcha. Um, he's a rookie. Apparently his velocity's up. He pitched really well, only four innings, four innings, uh, six uh, strikeouts uh, earlier this week. He's going to start tomorrow against the Mets in that like kind of fly in, fly out game. So I kind of dug, um, I kind of dug him a little bit. And then Logan Webb has this two step that's a little dangerous next week. Little dangerous. Uh, he's got the Mariners, I think, on the front half, and then the second half is at San Diego. So if you're in a league where you need the K's um, and you're less worried about ratios, he could be interesting. Cause I actually like what he's been, been doing a lot. Um, the control is a bit of an issue, but he's, he's getting swings and misses. He's had a really tough schedule to go up against. So I think better things are to come for him as well. So those are like three guys that I kind of had a little bit, I was in a little bit on um, that are maybe for some deeper league folks. Yeah. I've owned Webb in a few leagues for a while and I kind of pick and choose my battles with him because ratios can be a headache, but strikeouts are great. He's kind of – I might be overstating this, but he's kind of a poor man's Dylan Cease, where Cease mm-hmm. is always – if his command's off, he's a mess, but he's not. He's really good, and we've seen that with Webb. When he's not walking guys, he's a, he's really, really good. So yeah. I, I got no problem with him at all. Um, like you mentioned, Brandon Belt, I'm a big fan of that. The hard hit rate's up. I've always been a Belt fan. Ballpark has changed. I've been saying it for years. Get him out of AT&T. He's kind of in a – he's still there, but they change things, and the ball's flying, and we've seen him on the road also take advantage of it. So I'm, I'm a Belt believer – um, and then Longo got picked up a lot too. He switched up his approach a little bit, a little bit uh, more aggressive at the plate. And that's been good. So if you need corner infield help, those two actually aren't bad. The Giants are actually usable in fantasy right now with Flores and Solano and those like Yastrzemski. We'll talk about in a minute. It's 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 weird. It's really weird to um to look at. And then a few other guys that that did get picked up this week that are that I want to point out if they didn't in your league yet. Garrett Cooper has returned over the weekend and he's mashing already. Um, that's a guy I was on late round outfield yeah. picks beforehand. He got totally. the COVID. He's back. He went in a few leagues, not all of them. So keep an eye on Garrett Cooper. Uh, He's going to be great. He's going to be great down the stretch. I'm a big fan of him. So keep an eye on him. And then Diego Castillo picked up two saves, last two raised saves, and he got picked up in 53 NFC leagues this week. I put mm-hmm. bids in, in a lot of leagues where he's still available. So uh, I, I thought in the, going into the season, I like Diego Castillo to get saves. Process of elimination, it's kind of working out right now, just the way things are going in Tampa Bay. Write it while you have it because he does have very good stuff. But there's a lot of interesting moves um, that you can make out there. Some people did grab Hunter Harvey, 
which is good to see Gavin Lux is going to play every day versus righties, it looks like right now. So he's he's there. Um, a lot of different ones to look at. So go check all that good stuff. Uh, for, for Cooper, for Cooper and the Marlins, like the Marlins have a very nice schedule coming up. Not this week necessarily. Like this week it looks kind of good, but then when you dive into it, they have DeGrom for the Mets. So he's really the only starter you're worried about on the Mets. They get DeGrom and then they get Hinjin Ryu on Wednesday, you know, against the Ray, against the Jays. And so it's kind of like one of those situations where they, the teams look pretty good, but the matchups aren't great. But after this week, the Marlins schedule, they, they have no breaks. They have at Atlanta, bad pitchers. They have six against Philly over four days, <laughs> pretty much all bad pitchers, except for, you Nola. know, and Nola and, and maybe Wheeler, but they did not anybody you're afraid of. Right. And one of the and worst. Then they, yeah. then they have uh, five against the nationals over three days. And again, the nationals, yes, they have Scherzer. Yes, they have Corbin. I'd be a little bit worried if I was a Corbin owner. Right yeah. Now. Corbin's not that good right now. Yeah. He's not that good right now. And, and they don't, and, and Voth is awful. And I know I, Messed that one up big time. He was in my he was in my bold predictions, you know. But it was pretty clear from the get go that he couldn't get anybody out. They have him. They have Annabelle Sanchez, who looks really bad as well. Um, they've just got some really and and Eric Fetty, who literally cannot strike anybody out. So they're really bad. Don't think of them as a good pitching staff anymore. Then they've got the Braves again for four. So you essentially have like twenty plus games against the Braves, Phillies, and Nationals who all have uh, leave a lot to be desired. And that's going to be Garrett Cooper in there every single day because he's their best hitter. I mean, I think he's their best hitter when he's in there. So I have huge shout out to that. I picked him up in a couple of leagues as well. Um, Nothing like those, you know, those like $7 overbids where you bid like seven and nobody else bids. And you're like, you're like, Oh, that's not that much. But at this point in the season, it is a lot. And you're just like, I could have had him for two. Like what? It's, it's okay. In my TGFBI league, someone got Brandon Belt for $87. The runner-up bid was one buck. At this time of year, that stings a lot. I've been, I've, I've been, I've been there. I've yeah, been. we all have. We all have. Um, all right, let's get some listener questions here. Our buddy J-Dub at J-Dub the Gamer, he asked a question. Would you immediately dump Tyler Chatwood in 15-team leagues after he left with a, with a injury today? And the injury is a basically a bad uh, – a sore – elbow which they're going to further evaluate so take your your yes. medicine there i would have dropped him before today's start that's just me but uh, what's your thoughts yeah. I, I dropped him last week in yeah. tgfb i mean to be honest with you we're relying on one good start he had yeah. once he and started yeah, walking, the underlying metrics are nice but he already had he, he still has nine walks already you know like and he hasn't thrown a ton um so yeah i would have moved on from him yeah all right our buddy, our buddy dave petrozelio he asks us um is Mike Yastrzemski for real? I think he is. Like, I, I know I might be biased, but he's walking more than he had in previous years. His barrel rate's pretty similar to what it's been before. His hard hit rate's pretty darn close to what it's been before. Uh, you look at his, the rest of his numbers, his BABIP's a little higher, but nothing crazy. He's, But I think that walk rate's was, was tremendous for him because it makes him attack the zone even more when they come into him. So I think he's very, very good. I think last year he just he finally got regular playing time. The Orioles got rid of him. They gave him a chance in, in San Francisco, and it started clicking. He just turned thirty last week. I, I think he's very much for like is he a forty home run guy? No, but is he a twenty to twenty five guy that's gonna hit for a good average and, and be a staple in a lineup? Yes. What's your thoughts, Toby? Yeah, 
I think he's great. I mean, I think, and I think the writing was on the wall, like you just said, like that this was true last year and it was a small sample size that we were looking at, but um, yeah, I, I, I wish I had more of him. I mean, cause he's just, he's just crushing. Everything's nice. Everything's nice from him. I mean, it's not like, you know, the best in the world, but for, for what you paid and what you're getting and the approach at the plate and, and everything. I think he's, he's a wonderful guy, a wonderful player. He should move up. You know, he'll be like around 150, I think oh, next yeah. year in a, in ADP somewhere around there. Yeah. He's been pretty high and it just, it, it, it warms my heart every time I go to Fangraphs war and realize he's second behind Fernando Tatis in all of mm-hmm. Fangraphs war. So that makes me very happy. That's always That's very awesome. Nice. Um, so let's check out some listener questions on the old uh, stream yard here. The underscore la la lulelo. I, I, I can't. I have no idea. Sixto Sanchez absolutely dealt over the weekend. He has his Sixto, a top 10 starting pitcher upside. That's bold. I don't know the top 10s there, but he's darn good. What about you, Toby? Yeah, I mean, he's really good. Top 10 at this point is is asking a lot, but he certainly has the stuff, right? He's got the velocity, he's got the change up, the, the te- absolutely wipe out pitch. Um, so I think he's, I think he's, he's really good. I don't have any, I didn't get any of him. Um, and I'm sad about that, but, um, yeah, I think he's really good, but again, top 10 now, I mean, you know, there's some pitchers that have really come forward. Like you think about, um, next year's first round is just going to be mm-hmm. insane. The hitters, the pitchers, I mean, because all these guys like Bieber's going to be up there with the top guys, you know, um, Gallon's going to move up there. He's been looking nasty. Like there's just going to be, there's some guys who are stepping forward. So top 10 is, is, you know, I don't think anybody comes on the scene and you're like, he's going to be a top 10, maybe like Strasburg or somebody like that. But, um, you know, but he's certainly very, very good. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's very good. And it will be fun to see where these guys all go next season. And then Joe G 414 asks, you know, when we're talking about Austin Nola, like I'm well, let's reiterate it. He asked, was he a, is he a primary catcher on your fantasy team? I have no problem. Like in a two catcher league, having him there. Cause he's going to DH. He's going to be all over the place. Is he their primary catcher? I don't think so. But what do you say, Toby? Uh, Nola. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he, I think he will be. Okay. I think he will be. I think I think the difference between his bat and Castro's bat, um, and Castro's defense and his defense is, um, is sufficient enough that he'll he'll get more starts. But I, I do agree with you that they they'll probably move Nola around, like you said, like DH and stuff like that. I think he'll get the plate appearances though. Definitely, I think he'll um, play. I think he plays five out of seven games a week at least, if not yeah. more. Like he'll he'll be there for sure. So that's why he'll he'll be fantasy viable as a catcher. Very fast survival. Sure. So, sure. all right, Toby. Like I've said a few times on the show, we have like three weeks left, three and a half weeks left, give or take. It's uh, it seems like it's actually been a long season already, and it hasn't been. Uh, <laughs> so, any final thoughts? Uh, you just keep grinding, I'm, man. I'm worn out, man. I was up till four o'clock in the morning last night doing fab. It's oh, just, man. it's just brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I think I think what I think is going to happen, I think it's going to get crazier the closer we get towards the end of the season. I just think there's going to be a ton of maneuvering, just roster maneuvers, guys, you know, having kind of phantom injuries who who are key pieces for the future, who their teams are kind of out of contention, things like that. So I think it's going to be – I think that last week is going to be pretty crazy. 
Um, I think, you know, crazier than, than usual. Hopefully you guys stay safe. And really unfortunate to hear about the A's having that positive test just because we had almost made it a week, I think, um, in between positive tests. So hopefully that happens. People continue to, to stay safe, but yeah, I think it's going to be crazy down the stretch. And I mean, the thing is, don't forget. Yeah. We're only, yeah, we may be, there may only be three weeks left, but it is going to be a busy three weeks. Oh yeah. um, Guys, we actually have four weeks. Yeah, four um, weeks left, three weeks of four, fab. Four, three four, weeks four, of fab, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I mean, we still have half the season, guys. Yep. And it doesn't feel like that, but it, this half the season is still there for you to improve and get your team better and, and still work it. So good luck to everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. Always appreciate it. Yep, it's going to be a grind and keep on moving on because it's going to be wild. And like we see every day in the standings, like everything's so tight because it's been so short that you can move a lot in, in certain days. So Keep going at it and keep listening to the show. We appreciate it. And we'll be back with you guys next Sunday. Uh, Toby's on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. This was Bubba and the BatFlip episode 48. We'll catch you guys later. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.